Well, as I said, welcome back from Hub Time. I think it's something that we enjoy. The title of my sermon this morning is simply, You. The book of Genesis is my text, chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. You'll find that text printed in the New King James in your handouts, together with the sermon outline for your easy reference. But please walk with me, as I always do, through Psalm 1914. And so, dear Lord, this morning let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen? You know, this morning, this morning we're going to discover how our self-image is connected with our understanding of God's image in us. And so I want to speak to you this morning on you, uniquely you. You know, in Genesis, God explains how he created man in his own image. And there's a lot of concern these days about various issues dealing with image, questioning who we are, questioning gender identification. There's great need to improve our self-image, and there is great concern on the importance of self-esteem, Parents are concerned with how to raise children so they grow up to have a healthy self-acceptance, especially as they're brought up in conjunction with a corrupting world. Well, I believe and I trust that God has the answers to those questions in this sermon because we go back to biblical principles. And so our text, Genesis 1, 26 and 27 states, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Amen? You know, we don't have to travel all over the world. You don't have to leave your own neighborhood to realize that God is a God of variety. God likes variety because he has obviously made so many, many different things. You know, God created, for example, about 300,000 beetles. Don't you think that is hard to imagine? And of course, we all know that every snowflake that falls every year is different than any other snowflake that has ever fallen. And that strikes me as creative overkill. And then consider that God has created all kinds of different people. People of every size, people of every description, every race, many colors. God made so many different kinds of people because God is a God of variety. And not only did God make them, but God did not make any two people. Any time who lives today and who lived in the past, he has never made any two people alike. Every person God makes and has made is different. Not only in their appearance, but also different in their image and who they are, because God loves variety. And so Job said, Your hands formed and shaped me. 
Listen, the Creator Himself formed every part of you with His own hand. Now, there are three truths that we'll be discussing this morning that I want to share about our uniqueness. First, in your outline, consider the source. The source of your uniqueness. Now, there are three things about the source of your uniqueness, and I want to begin with the first fact, which is you are unique. There's no other person like you. There's no two people that have the same fing uh, fingerprints or the same voice print or the same footprints. Every person is distinct and unique, his own DNA, if you will. God said, and God has displayed, as I've already stated, there is nobody in any place, anywhere in all of this earth, that is living or who has ever lived that's exactly like you. You are unique, and the source of you is God. Look what the psalmist said as he wondered about this in Psalm 139, 13 and 14. It states, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. The psalmist obviously had a good self-image because I believe he realized that his self-image was derived from God's image within him. And he marveled at the way God made him. He was so grateful for who he was. And today, so many people are suffering from a poor self-image. They wish they were different. They, they go through life wishing they could be someone else other than who they are. And I think it's a wonderful discovery when we realize who we are. When we come to appreciate who we are because we realize that we are created by God. And so secondly, note that you are complex. Many, if not most of you, live with someone else. For example, your wife. And you have a hard time understanding them. Maybe you've lived with them a super long time and it just seems to get more and more complicated in trying to understand them. Well, God made us each very complex. When God created us in his own image, God made us in such a way that sometimes we are a mystery to ourselves. Do you really understand yourself? Have you ever had the experience of reacting to something and thought later, why did I react that way? Why did I feel the way I felt? Why did I get just excited and why did I explode? Why did I get ticked off of that? I can't understand what caused me to say or do that. You see, you are very complex. And to understand your complexity, I think, is the real key to improving your self-image and to know that God made you the way he made you. You are unique. Number three, God made you for a purpose. Everything God made and placed on earth God made not just because he had nothing else to do, but God had a purpose for everything. When God made man in his own image, God made a creature with whom he could fellowship, with whom he could have a friendship and relationship with. You were designed by God. That means you're not a mistake. You're not an accident. It means that God on purpose with his own hands shaped and formed everything about you who you are inward and outward. 
You weren't just randomly made. God didn't just throw you together. God made you to fulfill a certain purpose. And he gave you a certain destiny. Listen, you are unique because God wanted you to be you. The source of your uniqueness is God, and he made you in his own image. Second in your outline, consider the shape, the shape of your uniqueness. Notice not only the source, but notice also the shape of your uniqueness, because the shape of God's image is in you. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Note the word workmanship. In the Greek, the word is poema, from where we get the word poem, poema. It literally means a work of art. When we criticize ourselves, we, we need to be careful because we are God's work of art. When you are saved in Christ Jesus, you are recreated in the image of Jesus. And the Bible says that it's very important for us to understand this. And there are five parts that are listed in your outline that relate to your image. Number one, consider your inward man. That is your inward self. That which motivates you. That which drives you, that which causes you to do what you do, that which gives you some special interest in life, what you are on the inside. In Philippians 2.13, Paul says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. In other words, there is someone who is working not just on your outside conduct, but on your inside, on your thoughts, on your dreams, on your hopes, on your aspirations. It is whom you really are within, and we call that the inward man. And your inward man is very, very, very important. And the Bible says that you are God's work of art. And God is that work always within you. Now, all of us have different interests. We have different drives. There are some things that you care very, very deeply about that I don't, and vice versa. And that is because God has made each of us differently on the inside. And of course, there's a lot of conflict that comes with other people and other relationships. Because we don't understand and we don't stop to think that God made people different on their inside, in their hearts, or in their motivation. And so a lot of conflicts in marriage happen because we don't understand that our mate is not the same as we are. They don't respond like we do. They, God didn't make them the same. He made them different. And he made them different for a purpose. Listen, it's God working within you, inspiring your world and, of course, the deeds that you do. So the inward man is your basic motivation in life. Secondly, your makeup, that is your personality. God has designed all aspects of your personality. He has placed a certain combination of personality traits within you. It is who God made you to be. And so when somebody begins to be critical of you, or if you don't understand somebody else and why they act as they do, think as they do, feel as they do, it's because they, 
They don't have the same makeup that you do. Your personality is totally different. Your makeup is totally distinct and unique. It's not like theirs. Knowing this should help you to understand other people. It helps you with relationships with other people. You see, I think, I think it's important to know that when you are born, you are born with a certain makeup, certain personality traits, and you basically never change. You know, a long time ago, I would hear these arguments, especially in school, that people argued about heredity versus environment, which is the most powerful, which affects people more. Are people like they are because they grew up in a certain context, or is it because they were born with certain traits? Well, there's no controversy anymore. It's been determined after many years of studies. The studies have shown more and more through the years that there are certain personality traits that you're born with, and you'll never be any different. You will never change those. That is who you are. That is who you're going to be. That is the way God made you. Now, we don't use that for an excuse. We don't say, we can't develop, grow, and mature, and become the very best we can be with the shape that God gave me. It does tell us something about newborn babies. It does tell us that some of the babies come out of the womb happy, smiling, lay back, and others come out crying. And they never stop crying and demanding attention. That's the way they were made. So basically, you are still the kind of person you were years ago. If you played pranks on the kids in school, when you are 70 years old, you will still be playing pranks. If you are a wheeler dealer and you're out on the playground at recess and you're getting everybody to give you all of their marbles, you're going to be wheeling dealing when you're 70. You're going to be in the rest old home, old people's home. I say that with a smile because I'm looking for that day. <laughs> yeah, I suppose my kids are looking for that day too. And so you're going to be probably wheeling and dealing all those people out of their bedpans. That's who you are. That's okay. And that's all right. That's the way God made you. That's your makeup. But now, before you misunderstand, listen. When the Apostle Paul was saved, he had many abilities and personality traits. For example, he had zeal. He had dedication. He was very aggressive in trying to persecute and, in fact, persecuting the Christians. He had a great intellect, a great mind. Well, God didn't totally change those things when he saved him. Listen, God just redirected those things. So his zeal was now for Christ. And his mind was used to write the scriptures. God took Paul as he was, as he made him, and redirected those character traits to glorify Jesus Christ. So when you become a Christian, God takes those things that are you, that image that he has given you, the way he made you, and God redirects those things for his glory. God works in a wonderful way. So don't try to change what you can't. Just let God redirect you. Thirdly, your abilities. 
You know, we all have certain abilities to minister for God. And there are different abilities to perform service. For example, when God got ready for the people of Israel to build the tabernacle, God said, all right, now you're ready, but you have all the skills and abilities to do that. These were natural abilities. These don't have anything to do with the fact that you are saved or not saved or that you're children of God. These are simply natural abilities, naturally gifted in these ways. You may say, well, I don't have very many abilities. It may surprise some of you to learn that every individual has a minimum of 600 different abilities to be able to use for God. Now, fourth are your gifts. See, gifts are different than abilities. Gifts are natural, but, I'm sorry, abilities are natural, but gifts are supernatural. Gifts come to those who are children of God. When you are saved at the moment of salvation, God gives you a supernatural gift, an endowment of motivation to serve God. And God gives you that gift to minister and to edify others within the body of Christ. Now, there are many gifts that are mentioned in Scripture. There are seven basic motivational gifts, but many gifts. And in many ways, the spiritual gifts are used to give glory to God. But listen, let me tell you this. You will never be happy until you are operating in the area of your spiritual gift within the body of Christ. You will never have the joy that brings satisfaction. And then fifth <clears throat> comes experiences. In Romans 8.28, the Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. In other words, God allows you to have certain experiences. And with these experiences, he molds and he shapes you and he improves the image within you until one day you are conformed to the image of God. And so third in your outline, consider the significance, the significance of our uniqueness. In Romans 8.29, the Bible says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And then in Colossians 3.10, the Bible says, We put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Listen. Physically, you and I were created in the image of Adam, who was created in the image of God. God was, Adam was created in the image of God, and Adam sinned, so the image of God was marred in Adam. But when we come and give our life to Christ, we are recreated once again in the image of Jesus Christ. Our personality traits are the same. Our abilities are the same. But God reforms us and reshapes us. And then we understand who we are and why we are like we are. And we understand that God is working in us to conform us to the image of Jesus. Then we will have a healthy self-image because we realize the image that we have is the image of God that he gave us. He made us the way we are. Now, there are four things in your outline that will happen if you understand who you are and why you are like you are and you understand the purpose for it all. Number one, 
It reduces stress. As I said, there are many conflicts in relationships because we are all different, but if you understand even that, that everybody is different, if you understand that about yourself and the fact that God made you who you are, that he made you for a purpose, that in itself will reduce stress and conflict in your own life. You know, you don't have to feel guilty about who you are. You don't have to try to be somebody else. In fact, you can't be somebody else. The only person you can really be is you. You can try to copy somebody else, but it's not going to work. The only person you can be is you, and it reduces stress in your life. You don't have to worry about comparing yourself to, a, to somebody else or wanting to be like them. You can be like Jesus in the person that God made you. It not only reduces stress, but number two, it increases success. Real success is not just making money. It's just not receiving the praises of men. It's not just reaching your goal. Real success is knowing the person God made you to be and becoming that person conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Listen, if you are who God made you to be, and if you are doing what God made you to do, and if you know the will of God and you are in the center of the will of God, you are successful. And it doesn't matter what the world says. God will say, you are successful. Number three, it produces satisfaction. Do you know what real joy is? Real joy is knowing that you are being used by God. It is knowing that God made you the way you are and that he is using you the way you are. And you are uniquely you and it's okay to be you. God is using you in a special way. That is real joy. If you're not experiencing the joy of appreciating who you are by knowing that you are made in the image of Christ, and if God is using you in a special way, then I pray that your eyes will be open to this so that it can produce satisfaction. And number four, it builds self-esteem. It builds self-esteem when you know that there is not something wrong with you because you are the way you are because of your inward man, because of your makeup, because you are not like somebody else. If you understand that you are very special and that you are being conformed to the image of Christ, it builds your self-esteem and you're going to learn it's okay to be me. In fact, it's wonderful to be me. Listen, God wanted somebody exactly like you. Listen to me. You are valuable. If you don't believe it, look at Calvary. God gave his best for you that he might be, that you might be conformed in the image of his son. And I don't care how down you are this morning about who you are or how badly you feel about yourself. Know that God cares about you because you matter to God. And because you matter to God, you are special. You have a very special place in this world. So you can maximize your strength. You can add and build onto your strength. 
you realize you were made for a purpose and through everything that happens, God is using you toward that purpose. And he's conforming you to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this morning, if you have never given your life to Christ, know that is where it begins. Because God who made you begins to reshape you in the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And only if you know Christ can you feel good about who you are because only if you know him can you fulfill the reason that he made you. And if you have never given your life to Christ, if you don't have a personal relationship with him, the Bible says you can simply believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and confess him with your mouth and he will be your Lord and Savior. You submit and surrender and he will take charge of your life. Your life will come under new management. And he will begin to make a difference about the way you see yourself, the way you see the world, the way you see your spouse, the way you see your children. God will begin a work in you. And you will have the satisfaction and joy of knowing that your life counts, that your life is making a difference, that you are in the world for a purpose. And that purpose is to serve God. Amen? The service, service is over. But as you leave, consider, if you have never received Christ in your life, I plead with you to do so. Because your image will never be what it ought to be. You will never feel good about who you are. You will never feel good about yourself until you bring Jesus into your life and give him total control. You will never get over that feeling of depression about who you are. You'll never get over the stigma about what you perceive to be your shortcomings. You will continue to compare yourself to others until you have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why I want to invite you to to begin a brand new walk with him. I want you to pray and I want you to seek his face. Amen.